0: Okay, we're in Romans 12, if you like to turn to your Bibles. just want to read a few verses. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. According to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, then do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal. But keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality. Amen. You know, one of the things I want to encourage you to do, if you can read or uh, if you can listen, then is, is to read the Bible out loud to yourself. You know, it's a great exercise. You know, it's good to read it, you know, quietly, of course. But actually, the truth is, when you read it out loud, it, it, it forms something within you. It shapes your thinking. It helps you. You know, I've, I, I've spent maybe the last six months um, every week spending at least two or three times when I read the Bible, either with other people or to myself, and I read it out loud. Because as you hear it, it s- starts to kind of go, oh, yeah. I mean, and it starts to shape your form, you know. And and the truth is, many of us just need to remind ourselves of, of what the Word of God instructs us to be and to do. So, I'm reading, in fact, I'm probably going to do a little blog on it over the next few months, which is very rare for me, the book of James, because the book of James just fascinates me. Because it speaks into the practical application of the life of God's people. And so I just encourage you to just do that as a little exercise in your devotion. Read it out loud to yourself. I mean, you don't have to shout it out loud. You don't have to be weird in the morning or anything at 6 o'clock in the morning while your neighbors are asleep upstairs. The word of the Lord came to me. No. To be a bit more you know subtle discreet but read it out loud to yourself so you can impact it and i just want us uh, to speak this morning just on this whole idea of we've called it maximize your life and uh, there should be a powerpoint coming up at some point um, and uh, i want to talk about connection today connection with god you know we've uh, kind of talked about in the church about really uh, three elements of christian living that we're really trying to frame our church around one is connection uh uh connection with God and, and uh, knowing him and the second is growing together you know the truth is God has placed us in a body we just read about it we grow better together than we do in ourselves as Christians that's hard for some of us to actually accept and believe because uh, the rest of the world tells us we're better on our own hello we're better on our own, that we, we can just, we don't need, but actually the Bible tells us we need one another. It says that we are connected together in the body of Christ, and therefore there's a growing together element that we have to do. And then thirdly, there's, we're called to be servants. Jesus said, I've come among you as one who serves. I mean, if you know, if Jesus had to serve, it's part of our responsibility too. Nobody quite sure about that, are we? We kind of like Jesus to serve us. But actually, he's called us to be servants, to, to serve other people. And uh, somewhere along the line, we've got to readjust our thinking to recognize that the calling of God, first and foremost to the church, is to serve his kingdom. It's to serve him and his kingdom, to serve others. It's not for, um, that we get served, but it's, it's, it's for him to serve. And you remember, when, when, when there was the feast going on, who was serving the food? It was the disciples. You know, they were there, getting messy. Everybody else was, you know, eating. They were serving. And, uh, you know, that, that's a picture of actually, you know, we want to see that. When, when there's miracles going on, guess who's working the miracles? It's the disciples. They were very quiet this morning. We, we've, got to, we've got to take hold of, of the purposes of God. And so I want to talk about maximizing our life. And this first one is, is about connection. Because how we connect with God is the critical thing to how we live as followers of Christ. This is the model that Jesus called us to have. He came to the disciples and he said, follow me, connect with me, come on close to me. If anybody wants to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me and come after me. There's that whole sense of it. I need to know and be with God. The Bible says if we want to live by the Spirit, we've got to keep in step with the Spirit. There has to be that connection. How many of you know it's hard to walk with the Spirit if we're not in step with him? It's hard. It's difficult. If we're not hearing the voice of God, if we're not watching where He's leading us, if we're not doing that, that connection is hard when we neglect um, connection. Now, we all connect in different ways. You know, I, 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 I've kind of, uh, you know, I, I believe a quiet time is a really good thing, um, but, but, but sometimes a quiet time can be a noisy time. You know, I think being still before God doesn't always have to be still. Sometimes it just has to be about quietening our hearts and connecting with God. We've all got to find the way that we connect because it helps us to do what God's called us to do. Jesus taught us that actually connection was critical to our lives as disciples of Jesus. He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. And then he said this, apart from me, you can do nothing. Now I want you to think about that because I don't think many of us believe that. Apart from him, you can do nothing is what Jesus says. So what does that mean? It means that we have to surrender control of our own lives and recognize that unless we are connected to God, the rest of it will not be fruitful. We can produce lots of stuff, friends. You can produce lots of foliage, but no fruit. You you can make us an impact, but there's no fruit. Why? Because fruit comes from the Lord. We do, do well to remind ourselves of that, don't we? Sometimes I think fruit will come if I pray harder. But actually praying harder is not about me being fruitful. Praying harder is about me being relaxed in the presence of God. And when I'm relaxed in the presence of God, it's easier to be fruitful. And so I just want us to think about our connection today with the Lord. How do we connect with him? What's that about? Because, you know, if we're going to enjoy the life that God's given us, then we need to be connected to him and understand that and allow the Lord to change our lives and to shape us. I guess we all know what it's like when that connection grows weak. Hello? It's like your Wi-Fi. Have you ever experienced Wi Fi weakness? You're trying to download something and it's just circling and flickering at you. Do you get mad like me? Oh, I'm on the phone to BT in the office. I'm paying for f- broad fiber, whatever it is, fiber optic. This is rubbish. I usually get Julie to do it because I'm not gracious enough. I'm better than Paul, but I'm not as gracious as Julie. And so we have to just try, because the connection is weak for some, for some reason. Something's happened, and, and we're just not really open up to the Lord. And I want to talk about connection, really, from Romans 12. Because I think uh, Paul here just gives us a few insights into staying connection, uh, connected with God. First one is this. Connection comes through having a right perspective through having a right perspective. It says there, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy. I love that. See, Paul is reminding everybody who's listening to him that our perspective changes what we see. Our perspective changes what we see. Remember the story of the guy who's building the cathedral, you know, Christopher and somebody comes to one of the guys who's working and says, what are you doing? He says, I'm carrying bricks from here to here. He says to another what are you doing? He says, I'm putting a window in. He says, to the third one, what are you doing? He says, I'm building a cathedral perspective all doing the same thing but perspective changes what they see and you know so often we get our perspective wrong and paul says in view of god's mercy i love the way paul does that and really he's summarizing the first 11 chapters of romans he's saying listen because of of all of this stuff in fact the new living translation says because of all that god has done you need to change your perspective You need to see that in your life. I want to ask you today, what's the perspective of your life? This is the faith element of followers of Christ, that my perspective is not dictated by what is going on around me, but by what God is doing in the world and in me. How's your perspective? See, I think if we're not careful, our perspective is focused on so many things that are around us. I went to the theater last week in fact some people saw a picture of uh julia and the boys and uh and my twin brother and thought it was me because they said oh he's got a beard he's got a beard over christmas why Bush?' my twin brother we look alike your perspective was wrong Don't But I was sitting in the theater and um, uh, I was looking, you know, and in the theater, as the backdrop changes, the action changes. It's really fascinating, isn't it? And according to what's happened on on the backdrop of the theater, it dictates what happens on the stage. And it just reminded me, you know, that's great because we had all the pirates at Treasure Island. (laughs) It was wonderful. But can you imagine if the guys leave the theater and walk into the world dressed as pirates? The backdrop changes and therefore they have to change I want you to see friends that so often we're not living by the backdrop of the kingdom of God but by the backdrop that suits us by the backdrop that seems to be the focus for our lives and that's where we won't get past it we won't see anything other than that you see we have to recognize that there is a bigger perspective to life than simply our lives hello Now, you see, I know we know that, but how many of us really live like that? See, the Bible says this. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. In other words, I haven't to look at the backdrop that I'm currently in, in my life that I see. I need to learn to live at the backdrop that's beyond my life. That's a much harder thing. That's a faith thing right there. The Bible says that Moses chose to be mistreated along with the people of Israel because he saw a bigger backdrop. Friends, many of our brothers and sisters are giving their lives today around the world because they see a bigger backdrop. And that perspective enables them to live in a different way. Why? Because that perspective establishes their connection with God. Now friends, I'm not saying that this is an easy thing to do because looking at the unseen by nature is not an easy thing to do. But friends, it is the faith life. And so I want you to see how you go through this year. Friends, the truth is, what backdrop you're looking at will change how you live. If you can get the right perspective about your life, if you can see it as, hey, you know what, I'm living for the kingdom. The kingdom is my main backdrop. This is a small cameo part in my life today. Because some of us get so upset about the smallest backdrops, the smallest parts in the play. Hello? Just me. You're all looking at me today as if to say, "Oh, Dave, lighten up, man." I don't know about you, we've had great worship today, haven't we? Oh, somebody agreed over there, bless you. And so we need to broaden our perspective and say, "You know what, Lord? I, that you see, it's great, but we can't live in that moment for the week because you know, the, I don't know about you, but when we worship like that, I'm so excited in my spirit. I want to shout, I want to jump. i will just go, yes, God. Do you know what I mean? That's a marvelous thing, but actually, friends, what we need to do is, is take the faith element of that and walk into the world with it, and that becomes the backdrop for our lives. I'm fixing my eyes on what is unseen, not as what is seen, because some of you, what is seen this week is not going to be as great as that was just a moment ago. Hello. Some of us are going to look at uh, the perspective of our lives and think, God, God, I'm I'm struggling here. God, this is difficult. God, I, I need some faith here. But actually what we need to do is, you know, I love it in the Bible. It says lift up your heads and see the king of glory. So, you know, sometimes, you know, if we're going to stay connected to God, we've got to learn to lift up our heads. It's a skill. It's an action. It's something that we have to take on board ourselves. I'm going to lift up my head, Lord, and see you and take hold of you. And Paul exhorts us to fill our vision with the kingdom of God. You see, what fills your vision becomes the dominating force of your life. If, if, um, if your vision is all about you and your family, it becomes the dominant force of your life. And friends, there's nothing wrong in that. And the world would say that's everything that we live for. But the Lord would say, actually, no, there's a greater kingdom that we live for. There's a challenge right there, isn't there? one of the things you should do this year is read the things, the sayings of Jesus that you don't like. Jesus has some really big things that he said. You know, we tend to focus on the nice things, don't we? I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Oh, amen, amen. He who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not worthy of me. Oh. I know someone just like that, Lord can be so easy can it what is what is that what's changing that it's our perspective see because when we put our hand to the plow and we turn back it's because the backdrop of our life has changed and we've moved from eternity to just now and even some of you here today what's the backdrop that you're looking at in your life what what you're looking at because maybe you need to lift up your heads and see the lord maybe you need to say you know what lord i don't know what this year holds but i know you and that's enough for me because that's the life of faith that's what God calls us to walk in. And if we're going to maximize our life, if we're going to live to the most of what God has called us to do, if we're going to be what God has called us to be, then somewhere along the line we have to get that perspective in place. We have to live with faith, we would say, in, in, a, in a different context. And Paul urged the church to, uh, uh, to see their lives through the perspective of God's kingdom. <laughs> I'm laughing because I've got this fancy app on my phone that tells me how long I should preach. And, and, and it goes to like, you know, green... Amber red, do you know what I mean? And I forgot to touch it and set it off entirely, so, so fat use to anybody that is today, isn't it, do you know what I mean? So uh, when I start to see your eyes shut, I'll think, okay, that's probably time. Some of you have fallen straight to sleep now, do you know what I mean? I know. Connection comes through having a right perspective. Can I just challenge you today? What's the perspective you have as a follower of Christ? Does it need to enlarge? I would suggest it does. I would suggest all our perspectives need to enlarge as a follower of Jesus. But I want to remind you, you see, if you're going to live life to the max for God this year, when, when, when your perspective shrinks and it comes down to just what's going on in your world, you need to step back and see. Okay, there's some unseen stuff going on here. There's some unseen things surrounding my life. And you know, very often when we come to the unseen, you know what we do? And I I, you know what we do? We focus on the on the enemy. Friends, most of us don't need help to see the enemy. We need help to see the Lord. When, when Elijah is in, in, surrounded in, in that city of Dothan and uh, his servants cries out, Lord, look at the enemies of my people. What does the Lord say? He doesn't say, oh, open his eyes and see more of the enemy. He says, no, open his eyes that he might see that those who are for him are more than against him. Because if you can see the unseen, your perspective changes. See, if you could just see the angels who surround your life to keep you safe, you start to feel secure. You don't have to start to worry so much about the enemy. Some of us are so worried about the enemy, but actually the truth is he has been defeated already on the cross. Some of us are so worried about the stuff that surrounds our lives, but friends, he's been trampled on the foot. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is the coming king. Jesus is the healer, the savior, the baptizer, and the Holy Spirit. Man, we've got to start to believe some of the stuff we sing in church. We've got to allow some of the stuff we sing. Why do we sing it? Do we sing it just to feel good? No, friends, we sing it because we need to confess to ourselves, in Christ alone, my hope is found. It's not in the stuff that the world has to give us. It's not in the stuff that immediately presses into our lives. It's in him. And some of us, we need to sing it into our hearts because our perspective is so small. Wouldn't it be great if you went home and looked in the mirror and started to sing to yourself, in Christ alone, my hope is found. Wouldn't it be great if you looked at the bank balance this week and said, in Christ alone, my hope is found. Wouldn't it be great if you looked at the circumstances that surround your life and say, in Christ alone, my hope is found. Friend, either that's true or it's no help at all. But we believe that Jesus is the answer. So we get a right perspective. Secondly, connection comes through remembering what worship is really all about oh man i'm going to tread carefully through this one he says in view of god's mercy offer your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to god this is your proper and true worship you know friends our worship we need to get a right view of what worship's about you know um, i love worship services No one gets more excited than me. I love them. I love it when worship takes off, when there's a sense of joy in the house. You know, the Bible says rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. I say it again, rejoice. I say it again, rejoice. You know, there's nothing wrong with rejoicing. You know, a cheerful spirit actually helps you and it helps the people around you. It's easier to be happy when the person beside you is happy. If you notice how much easier it is to be miserable when they're miserable. Come on, we all know it, don't we? ray of sunshine or a dark cloud. So the Bible says rejoice and so I love it when we come together in this worship. I love it when the worship flows and it's free and everybody just gets excited about it. I don't love it so much when everybody's miserable and we have to really work it up so much. But I mean I'll do that, I'm happy. But sometimes it's like that, isn't it? Come on. It wasn't like that today, but sometimes it's like, oh But you see then at those points of time we actually have to remember that worship isn't about us, it's about him. Have you ever heard that? You know, we walk out going, oh, that was an awesome worship service. I so enjoyed it. The question is, did he enjoy it? The question is, was he blessed? The question was, did we offer anything that actually made an offering of what we were giving to the Lord? You know, sometimes we come in and it's like, oh, I'm fed up. That's the time to offer worship. It's the time to sing praises. Hey, if Paul and Silas can do it in prison, we can do it in the context of our lives. If Paul and Silas can can bring praise and and thanksgiving to the Lord when their backs are running with blood, well, actually, we can do the same. Friends, if our brothers and sisters in Christ can do it, even when they're facing crucifixion, then we can do it. I wonder, do we have an understanding? You see, if you're gonna connect with God, you've gotta have a right attitude towards what worship is about. And worship is not just about what happens here. Worship is about what happens here in our lives. And so sometimes we kind of like, uh, uh, you know, and there's nothing wrong with it. It's nature. I'm not having to go. I just, you know, I I, I love worship. Um, But honestly, I don't know about you, but sometimes I can sing a song to Jesus and mean it with all my heart. And then three hours later, I can be the meanest person on the face of the earth. How about you? And somewhere along the line, we actually think that's, oh, that's just just me. (laughs) The Lord knows I'm weak. And friends, I know the Lord knows I'm weak. But somewhere along the line, the Bible says, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. Sometimes I think the Lord says, you know what, Dave? It was a nice song earlier. You might as well have sung, We Will Rock You. (laughs) i sing that as well, by the way. I don't mind that. But truthfully, sometimes our worship is not, is not, in tune with our lives anybody know what i'm talking about and so we come out and going oh that was awesome worship time we look at somebody who hurt us and we go Phew. we get sour in our spirit why is that because actually we're not offering god our lives we're looking for a moment with god our culture is a moment culture If we can create moments that everybody is happy with, that is great. But worship is more than a moment. As the songwriter said, I give you a song, but a song in itself is not what you desire. How many of you know, see, I love some songs, don't you? Like what a beautiful name it is. I always want to get going again. You have no rival. I want to, I just want to get going. Come on, Lord. I love it. It's a great moment. I want to declare it. I want to bring it up I want to but actually the truth is does God have a rival when I'm being tempted to sin sexually ooh the pastor gets tempted to sing sexually <gasps> not sing sexually sin sexually <laughs> I am just about to do one of those Marvin Gaye songs but I'm not going to go there what what is going on what is coming out of us you see he has no rival friends it's true theologically he has no rival but the only way he can get a rival is when you give him a rival in your heart that's what worship's about worship's about saying lord i will not give to that what is only due to you and friends i'm not saying that we're perfect at that but i think sometimes we don't even struggle that we're very very willing to give a rival to god you know um the, the big four you see, money, sex, and power used to be the big three, but I want to add on to that pleasure because our culture is obsessed with pleasure. And that means it's in us. You see, we are a part of that, and uh, I, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I, it's, it's will not offer to the Lord that which costs me nothing. And so sometimes you need to say, you know, um, see, sometimes we just need, and thank God for worship CDs because they help us focus Sometimes we need to put a worship CD on and quiet our hearts and then say, Lord, here I am, just to surrender to you. You don't have to take an hour to do it, friends. Actually, if we did it often, we could do it in three minutes. Lord, I'm here for you. Surrender my life to you today. I surrender the attitudes of my life. I surrender what I do and think and say and act. I surrender it to you because my connection comes through proper worship. I don't want to distort my connection to you by putting myself in charge of it. By deciding that it's about what I can do. I surrender, Lord, to you. Connection comes through remembering what worship is all about. Thirdly, connection comes through resisting wrong thinking. Resisting wrong thinking. Can can you just um, listen to this verse? Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know, some of us have been saved a long time. Um, but we've and our minds have been transformed to some extent but we allow wrong thinking to stay in our lives you see the bible says do not conform you see the truth is to not conform you have to resist otherwise you're conformed by nature we all know that don't we that's true about diet isn't it to not conform you have to not eat Also not conform to the calories that you're taking in. Trust me. I can see it in your lives. (laughs) See, to not conform, you've got to take steps to say, you know what? I will not allow that attitude to prevail in my life. Friends, that's a fight for anybody in life. Because the overall, the overarching—I was just talking to. Well, I don't want to get into. I was just talking to someone this week who's leading a church, and they were just saying that um, uh, they've got a situation just now. A Key leader in their church has just just moved in with a life group leader in their church, and it's like, okay, what do we do? You know. You know, are they bad people? No, they've just conformed to the pattern of this world, and therefore they don't even think—they don't even think that that could be a problem. Now, you have to deal with that very graciously and lovingly because actually um, uh, it is a problem before the Lord and we've got to try and resolve that. But actually, it's not that I'm really talking about. It's the thinking that's there. Because it's easy to say, well, that's that's an obvious one. The Bible says the sins of some are obvious coming before them, the sins of others are less obvious and they trail behind them. Friends, it doesn't matter whether your sin's obvious or less obvious, it still is about, it comes from wrong thinking and it disconnects us to God. And so therefore, one of the biggest challenges of your life this year to maintain connection is to say, am I resisting the pattern of the world? Now, that could be in all kinds of areas. You don't, I don't need to make a list. I mean, I sometimes think I should make a list because you'll all go, oh yeah. But you know, the truth is the Holy Spirit is the teacher, friends. You know, because if I mention five things and yours is sixth, you're off the hook, aren't you? I know how you work, do you know what I mean? Oh, I'm all right with that. So I could talk about speech, couldn't I? The Bible says, don't let any um, unwholesome speech come out of your mouth. Only that which is good for building up people. I'm in trouble straight away. How about you? See, that's before we get on to the biggies, isn't it? But how many of you know speech is a big thing? Because with your mouth, you praise God, and with your mouth, you curse men. Hey, friends, if you want to have a godly mentality, if you want to stay connected, then you've got to resist the pattern of the world, which is, well, you know, did you see them? Do you know what they said to me? Do you know what I've heard they did? That's the pattern of the world, friends. The pattern of the, of the kingdom is, hey, I, as far as it depends upon me, miss, I'm living at peace with everybody. I'm not going to say anything bad. I'm just going to speak good. Because I want to live under the blessing of God. Man, you know what? Let me tell you this now. If we could learn just that principle, 50% of my pastoral work would go like that. Just that principle that we don't speak badly about one another. 50% friends, I'm telling you, the hours I've spent trying to resolve things that people said to one another, and people get hurt and offended, and we spend our lives trying to resist the pattern of the world, why? Because we're too late resisting it. Because if we took responsibility for ourselves, then we wouldn't have got into the problem in the first place. It's a frustration, isn't it? I wish to say, see, I can deal with it pastorally. Hey, here's the truth. I can get caught up in it myself. It's a prayer request. So we need to recognize that the pattern of the world forms us and we have to resist it now i want to say to you resisting is something that's active not passive if you're going to resist something you have to recognize it in your life you have to honestly evaluate your life you have to soberly think "Um, do i do that see i think that's why a day of reflection is good for all of us that we would sit down and think and say to ourselves you know what am i further on with the Lord? Where's the evidence of that? What's it looking like in my life? There's a great verse in Timothy when Paul says to Timothy, set an example to the believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. There's a great set to start with. Am I conforming to the pattern of the world here in speech? Wow. See, is this legalistic? No, friends, it's not legalistic. I'm not telling you what you should do. I'm telling you, friends, if you want to have a connection with God, then how you speak matters. You're free to speak as every, whatever way you want. Because legalism ain't going to do it, is it? When everybody tells you not to do something, don't you just determine to do it? That's 70 sign in the motorway. In Jesus name I come against it <laughs> the angels are with me and I won't get nicked that one didn't work three times I tried that three times I failed, <laughs> but I'm going to persist things are strange but we when we tell ourselves friends when we say you know what I'm going to do this in honor of the Lord why because I want to stay connected I'm going to resist the pattern of the world you see here we are church I, I don't know about you but I want to make the most of my life I want to make the most of my life, don't you? I don't want my life to be bogged down by the petty squabbling of my spirit. I'm not talking about your spirit. I can't control your spirit, but I can do something about mine. And I know that if I'm not careful, my spirit gets mean and petty. How about you? See, you're all such nice people, aren't you? You're, well, apart from you, sir, yes, I understand that, you we're all such nice people but actually we we have to struggle we have to resist the pattern of the world because instantly our thinking can be contorted by it and distorted and we come away and we feel justified in our anger and justified in our in our retort to someone they had that coming let's think about what you had coming shall we and all of a sudden, the work of the Lord comes deep into our hearts. Friends, I, I, I'm not trying to be clever this morning, but honestly, if we're going to have a, a year of being connected to the Lord, I think for some of us, we need to just take our, change our backdrop. We need to lift up our heads and see what the Lord has to say to us. We need to uh, um, just see what God wants to work in us and through us. We need to get our, our worship right. We need to see that our worship digs deep into our lives. And then we need to resist ungodly attitudes. To transform our thinking, we have to change an old habit and replace it with a new habit. Have you noticed that? You have to replace one habit with another habit. Or else you just end up trying to fight the habit. It's like when you get a Snickers bar and you put it on the desk and say, I will not eat that. You sit there for 20 minutes feeling great. It's not going to have victory over me today, that Snickers bar. Our office is the worst office in the world, honestly. I mean, you know, the stuff that came into our office before Christmas it's unbelievable. Do you know what I mean? Not my office, their office. I sit in my office is a no chocolate zone, but the front office is full of it. And I walk through. And I resist it in Jesus' name. And my wife looks at me and says, I'm gonna move that. I say that's a sensible idea, love because the more it's there, the more you focus on it. How are you going to resist that? Well, you have to get your eyes on something else. Have you ever noticed? Sin lures you in, doesn't it? You look at something, or you have an attitude to something. You know, don't we like grumbling about people inside? Have you ever noticed it? And there's something nice about it. Those stupid people! I'm going to tell them. All. When I see them, I'm going to tell them that. Why is that so enjoyable, friends? Because it just feeds that need in us. Sometimes we can do that. We don't even have to say it to people, do we? I've said it. But what we've allowed is we've allowed the pattern of the world to shape us rather than the pattern of the kingdom. So we have to pull it down. We have to say, you know what, Lord? I know, Lord, left to myself, I would be bitter about that. But, Lord, I can't afford to be bitter about it, Lord. I've got to be gentle. I've got to be full of grace, Lord, because that's how you treat me. Because the Lord's never turned you away with bitterness. Even when you promised him the world and gave him nothing. So you say, Lord, please forgive them. Please, I forgive them, Lord. And instantly you become free. Free from that burden and free to move on. Why? Because you've decided you're going to resist ungodly attitudes. We allow the word of God to change us. Connection is difficult if we are not transformed. So we see connecting with God. It's the foundation of maximizing our lives. Connection comes from a right perspective. Connection comes by remembering what right worship really is about. Connection comes through right thinking, resisting wrong thinking. And Paul explains why this principle of connection is so important. He says this, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. He says, you know, the reason you need to do this is so that you understand what God's purpose is in your life. So that you can see what God's doing, so you can recognise when God's at work. I love the, NLT, uh, the New Living Translation that says this: "Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect." The truth is, it's through the connection we have with God that we learn to understand that God's will for us is good and pleasing and perfect. In other words, it's when, in the midst of the crisis, we step back and we see the backdrop of the kingdom of God and that God is working all things for good. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from His hand till He returns turns or calls me home here in the power of Christ I'll stand that's a backdrop to take hold of today see sometimes the backdrop is oh the power of hell's against me no no power of hell no scheme of man oh those people are being nasty to me and it affects my identity my confidence friends it shouldn't do because you're a child of God so confess it stand on it Here in the power of Christ I stand. Friends, that's the backdrop we have. And when we have that backdrop, then all the stuff that comes through life, and there's much of it, it begins to just be part of this river of God that he leads us through because he's leading us to his purpose. Till he returns or calls me home. Friends, are you living for his coming? Friends, are you living for his coming? Dear God. See, that's the truth, friends. See, the truth is we're more satisfied with God working for our fulfillment here on earth than we are with his return. But friends, our hope in life is not what we have here because what we have here is temporary, but what we have there is eternal. And friends, if that is not the truth of what we believe, I am out of here because I don't need to take all this stuff if that's not my hope. But if that is my hope, then I'm going to stand in the grace of God. And so friends, you need to decide what it is that you're living for, that what connects you to God, what's the backdrop that you're going to put into your life? Are you going to look at what is temporary and is passing away? Or are you going to look at what God has for you and for all those who love him? The Bible says, I, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has entered into the man, heart of man what God has prepared for those who love him. That's the backdrop, friends. And so somewhere along the line, we have to speak to our spirit. You know, we want, and, and friends, listen, we're here as the church. We encourage one another. We love one another. My job as a church is to be an exhorter as a part of the church. That's my gift. I'm trying to exhort people to fix their eyes on Jesus. But friends, I, I don't know about you, but sometimes I take my eyes off Jesus and I go to bit. Why? Because without him, I can do nothing. See, some of us re- need to remind ourselves of that. You're standing in great success today. I want you to tell you, your success is built on Jesus. And if you think it's not, friends, you're fooling yourself. See, the world doesn't want to hear that. The world is, oh, we can do whatever we we like, friends. Jesus says, no, I've come that you might have life, but I need you to stand in me. Okay, throw it in. If I had my app on it, it would be flashing at me now. (laughs) Telling me to stop. Connection is what's going to help you, connecting with God. Friends, connection is the thing that we need to offer to our world. Jesus came to make a way for them to know God. That we might draw close to him. This morning, if you're here in the house today, and uh, maybe you don't know Jesus, he came so that you would know him, so that you could connect with him. And that out of that, you could have life. Let's pray this morning. I want you to walk through the Lord, uh, with the Lord this year And maybe to do that, I want you to think about this. Do I need to change my perspective this year? Do I need to get a greater backdrop? Do I need to fix my eyes on the unseen, not just the seen? I realize, friends, that sometimes what you see and what is around you is difficult. I'm not trying to minimise that. I'm not trying to brush it off. It's not important. I understand that, friends. But if only we could open our eyes and see that God is bringing us into his kingdom. And So maybe you need to stop focusing on some of the immediate things around you. The things that bring anxiety, the things that lead you to despair maybe even. Even about the right time as, as Joe brought earlier. you need to fix your eyes on Jesus. Maybe you need to strengthen your worship this year. Your worship of God. Through how you live your life. Through what you offer to him. Because the father is seeking worshipers who worship in spirit and in truth. He's looking for what you say and sing and give to match what your heart is. There's a sincerity to it. And the Lord knows. And perhaps you need to resist the pattern of the world this year and say, hey, you know what? That's not going to be me. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will conform to what he says. Even though everybody else might think it's stupid. Even though people might not understand. Even though people would ridicule us for being old-fashioned or too conservative. Actually, you know what? I believe that this is important to Jesus. Therefore, I'm going to shape my life on him. For most of us, they're not the big issues, but they're the little issues. Grace, forgiveness, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self control. Against these things, there is no law. It's those things we're seeking to add to our lives, that we become like Him. Maybe today, before we close our service, you need to get right with God. Maybe you're here and you've never really connected with Him. Jesus came. And gave his life to make a way for you to know God this is eternal life that you may know God and Jesus Christ in his sent. and so this morning just before we close our service I, I just want to give an opportunity for maybe somebody here beginning of a new year to say you know what Lord Jesus I need to give my life to you today so if that's you just as every head is bowed I just want you to slip up your hand and say, Dave, pray for me, please. I need, I need to find God today. Is there anybody in the building who just is in that place? just need to respond to the Lord this morning. Great. Father, we thank you for your presence here with us today. We thank you, Lord, that it's good to gather as your people. We thank you, Lord, that there is strength in being together, Lord, worshiping you. And Lord, we just come and respond to your word this morning. We're called to connect with you, Lord. We know it. Lord, we feel it. We sense it. We sense that longing in our hearts for you. And so, Lord, as we, Lord, seek to live for you, continue to do that, Lord. Lord, help us, Lord, to get our perspective right. Lord, to see you, to see the unseen that surrounds our lives, Lord. And when we need to, Lord, to be able to step back and just to focus on you. Lord, and to believe by faith that you're having your way in our lives. Lord, help us to, Lord, bring right worship, Lord, that flows out of a heart that is surrendered to you. And help us to change our thinking, Lord, from a worldly point of view, Lord, Lord, to a kingdom mentality. Lord, teach us your ways, Lord. Your ways are not natural to us, Lord. We admit that. Lord, we, we still struggle with the pattern of the world, Lord, that's so deeply imprinted upon us, Lord. Help us. Lord, to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Lord, as your spirit works in us and as your word shapes us, Lord, help us to become, Lord, what you've called us to be, that we might be like Jesus. Lord, help us to receive your word today in all its fullness into our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.